And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to the highest heaven, on earth peace to those who will miss favor rest. The story of Christmas in just a few short verses read by a child that a child would come to be with us, God, Emmanuel, Jesus in the flesh. And we recognize that uh, even this season where you guys are scrambling to figure out what gifts you're gonna give and all these different things that uh, all this little gift giving that we do is really a reflection of this understanding that we receive the greatest gift in Jesus, that every little gift is our opportunity to point to that reality. That's why we've been kind of working through this understanding of this series called The Gift. And with that understanding, uh, we're really excited today to have uh, Pastor Josh Koskinen. Uh, Josh served as our youth and families pastor from 2011 to 2018 uh, here in the life of the church. And uh, we say we had a lot of fun and did a little bit of ministry or a lot of ministry and a little bit of fun. We're never sure where the lines were on that. Uh, but since 2018, uh, God has been doing some cool things in Josh and Emily and their family's life, uh, kind of an in and through type reality, uh, part of which is the starting of a whole new church, which I'm gonna let him share more about here in a minute. Uh, but again, just a part of what are the things that we believe God's called us to in this whatever it takes journey is it's not just about our church. Uh, we like to say, hey, all uh, God's kingdom, we're all pitching for the same coach, and so how can we be making an impact in the church throughout the world and uh, getting to be a part of what uh, the Koskinen's are up to uh, in McGuanago, Wisconsin, is a big part of that. So with that, would you uh, join me in welcoming uh, Josh Koskinen to the First Christian Church stage today. Uh, it's great to be here. I remember when, uh, just out of college, I was the youth pastor at a church in Wisconsin, and part of the deal was I got to live in a church-owned house and then I got $100 a week. That was my first job as a youth pastor. I was there for two years, and towards the end of that time, I was interviewing for this church that I found online in Decatur, Illinois. <laughs> and that's what I believed it to be. And then come to find out when we were here, it was Decatur. But we were interviewing, and one of the questions that Brian and Wayne asked me on the phone as I was walking around that church property, I was right in front of my house that I was living in, and they said, what are you most scared of in stepping into this role? And I think maybe the response they expected was that I was young, I was working in a uh, much smaller setting about to hopefully step into uh, First Christian Church in a larger student ministry, but the thing that most scared me that I told them on the phone was not getting the job. Like, because mentally, I was like, I've already moved there. Like, God's placed this in my heart. I wanna be a part of First Christian Church. And uh, then we came, and we were here for seven years, and uh, met some amazing people, some of which I see uh, in this room, and I'm seeing into the East Auditorium right now as well. 
but we, uh, over you know, the course of the years uh, working here, this was really a foundation of ministry for me. Um, the, this, a lot of who I am and what I'm bringing into this church plant has come from the people that have poured into me here at this church, and so I'm really excited to be here. This is a picture of my family. They're a little bit older than 2018 when we left, and we're planting Story Hill Church in McGuanago, Wisconsin, and it's been an incredible journey of just doing it with them. In fact, in the season where we don't have Sunday morning services, we're 42 days away from our first Sunday morning service, but we've been attending other churches, and my kids will walk in and they'll be like, what's the, what's the guest gift? Do, do, do they have hot chocolate? Like, what's the coffee like? I mean, they're little church planners. They're scoping it out. They see things and they're like, hey, dad, we need that for Story Hill. I'm like, okay, sounds good. And it's been a, a lot of fun over the course of the last several months. We moved in July and we're launching January 28th. And in preparing to launch, I've had a lot of coffee conversations with people who've been interested to be a part of the church and run into others who were just sitting in the coffee shop and didn't know what to expect as I laid an invite into their lap. And one conversation that I had recently was with uh, an acquaintance who I had known through several different hobbies in the Milwaukee area, and I saw him at this coffee shop, I grabbed my coffee, I sat down with him, and I was like, hey, how's it going? And he was like, oh, I just, just lost this big deal, I'm a real estate agent, and it fell through at the last minute, and so I'm just sitting here having a coffee and taking a minute. And then he said to me, how's your project going? Because he follows me on social media, and he was referring to the church plant when he said that. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome, we have a great launch team, like so many people are coming to be a part of it. You gotta be there January 28th, I'd love for you to attend 9 or 10.45 a.m. And he's not a churched guy and said, oh, if I step foot into your church, it will light on fire. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you've said that before, uh, maybe you felt that today, and just so you know, nothing happened, you know, if this is your first time here. Uh, but that's like one of two lines I hear is, I'll get struck by lightning or your building will light on fire. That's what I've heard over the years. And I told him, that is okay, we have insurance. <laughs> and it's a building from the 80s and it would actually be helpful to just build new. You'd, you'd be helping me out, you'd be doing me a favor. And then we start getting into this conversation further. He's like, I'm not really a religious person. I feel like if I work hard and I'm nice to people, then most good things in life will just happen and come to me. And I just shared with him, that's not a perspective that I have. And in that moment, I don't know, you know the Holy Spirit was at work and I just said, hey, I wanna share four things to what you just said, that, that's my perspective. And the first thing that I shared with him is I don't believe that we exist by chance. That when you think of our bodies and how they work and everything needs to be a certain way and then when you think of the earth's position to the sun and if it was a little bit closer, it wouldn't exist. If it was a little bit further away, humanity wouldn't exist on planet earth. And just thinking through all the intricacies of our planet and our bodies and everything working together, I just can't believe that that exists by chance. And I actually think it takes more faith to believe that exists by chance than it does to believe in a creator. 
And he, was, he said, I'm with you on that. I, I believe there's a higher power, there's a creator. I'm like, okay, well, then there are things in, in my life that just haven't happened by chance either. Not only is there a creator, but there's a creator who's involved in the details of my life and cares about the creation. And he started sharing with me this story about how he was skydiving and working towards his solo license. And on his first solo dive, he was uh, going down through the air skydiving and he passed out. And somebody happened to notice that he wasn't alert and flew towards him. And I don't know how that works. It feels very Avengers to me, but (laughs) flew towards him, pulled his chute, pulled their chute, and it was at a lower range than they were supposed to be at when this took place. And he said, definitely in that moment, there was something, somebody out there that was caring for me. And then we got into a conversation about how I believe that that's God, and one way also that God cared for him is he sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and rose from the grave. And I talked about all of this and how Jesus offers us unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness, and is, that's the only relationship that we have that offers us those two things. And how Jesus provides us hope in our brokenness, and light and the darkness, and he got quiet towards the end of this conversation, and he said, I believe everything that you're saying. I'm like, well, not to freak you out, but <laughs> Romans 10:9 says this, that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He was like, whoa. And he said, I guess I'll see you on January 28th. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you will, that's right. And then the church isn't gonna light on fire. And I got to think, hey, why did I even have that conversation in the first place? Because it was, I I wasn't planning on it, it was a little bit random, and I don't believe it was random, it was God made that happen. But why did I even invite him to our launch? And one of the reasons why I invited him to the launch of our church is because statistically, uh, church plants see six times more conversions than existing churches. So six times more people come to know Jesus through a church plant than through existing and established churches. This is one way that God has worked in churches over the course of time, new churches starting, and there seems to be an interest from people who are curious where they can approach a new church in a different way. And we've seen this, we've seen this on launch team, we have people who have never been a part of a church who are on our team to help start Story Hill Church. We've had people who've attended a prayer study who have never prayed before in their entire lives, and God is working in that way, and because God is working in that way, and we know it, we're leaning into it hard. We're saying, okay, we're gonna invite everybody we know to come to Story Hill because we wanna see more people come to know Jesus, and that's what it's all about. And then that conversation became the basis for this talk today. And I started thinking about Christmas Eve. It's right around the corner for First Christian Church. You've got a million services. I don't don't even know how many services you have, but there's a lot of them. And I came across this statistic that says people who do not go to church are 12 times more likely to accept an invite to a Christmas Eve service than they are any other service during the whole year. 
And if we know that, then we should be inviting everybody we know. Like statistically, this is the most important, most evangelistic time that we have within our church calendar. And people are interested in wanting to lean in and sing the music and encounter the gift that they don't even know that they need yet. And all we have to do is step out and invite. And we know that the odds are in our favor, if you put it that way. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter five, Paul talks about who we are in Christ and then what we are to do. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, and as God's, God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So the few different themes that pop up to me when I read 2 Corinthians chapter five, and the first is that we're reconciled, that he's restored the connection, that it was broken because of sin, but we're reconciled through Jesus, and we celebrate that in the season, Emmanuel, God with us, and so we read that, and we're like, okay, reconciled, perfect. We can be in a restored, connected relationship to God, but then we read that in, uh, in light of that, we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. We are no longer how we were before because of the work of Jesus in us, and so we're a new creation. Perfect, reconciled, love it, new creation, love it. But then we get to verse 20, and it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Wait a minute. If I'm an ambassador, then that means I have a job description. And if I have a job description, then that means I need to go out and tell people about it. That is an ambassador. You're a representative of Jesus with the message of reconciliation and new creation to the world. And that will take us out of our comfort zone. And that brings up a lot of emotions in us and a lot of other thoughts and experiences that we've had. And there's this church word that's thrown around with being an ambassador that is evangelism. And evangelism, maybe you've heard that before, but evangelism is the means through which the message of Jesus is spread in the world. People go and tell, and that is being evangelistic. And that is a role of being an ambassador, a representative. But you've probably seen evangelism uh, abused or done wrong before, and it brings up these emotions and experiences. I remember when I was a youth pastor living in that church in Wisconsin in the house uh, right in front of the church, people would knock on my door and witness to me. I was like, do you know, this is a church-owned home, guys. Like, I'm, I'm, we're, on, we're playing for the same team here, and I've just, you've, I've seen it done wrong. I've seen some negative experiences with it, and it brings up emotion in me in that way. And I actually had this experience when I was 14 years old. I was dating this girl, and she wasn't a Christian, she wasn't going to church, and my youth pastor was kind of on my case about it, like, hey, you should you know, date somebody who loves Jesus, and because what if you get married one day, it's gonna complicate things, and he's telling me all these things, and I'm like, okay, okay. I'll go get her to be a Christian, that's what I said. <laughs> and so I hopped on my mode of transportation as a 14-year-old, a Schwinn bike, 
and I rode several miles to her house, knocked on her door, and I was ready in that moment. And so she came out, we sat down on her porch. I'm like, okay, where do I start? Well, there's Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden. And God said, don't eat of this tree. And then a snake started talking to Adam and Eve, and I know that that sounds weird, but just hang with me. And they ate from this tree, and sin entered the world, and so much sin entered the world that eventually God flooded it, and Noah and his family got on this boat, and they brought these animals with them, and then a rainbow happened, and that's a promise of God's, you know, like that he's there and he won't do that again. And, and then they needed to figure out a way to be connected to God and so they started sacrificing animals. That's what God put in place, a sacrificial system to make their relationship right with God. And uh, they put blood, there's blood and it's kind of weird, but hang with me, it's important. And then Jesus comes to this world. He's the ultimate sacrifice for us. He died on the cross, he rose from the dead. And do you wanna be a Christian? And she looked at me and she said, I think I'm good. <laughs> and I rode home on my bike a little bit embarrassed because what I was trying to bring to her was good news, but all I brought was confusion. And if we're honest, we probably are more afraid of experiences like that than we realize. Or maybe you've had experiences like that or uh, been witnessed to in a certain way that's kind of given you a distorted view of how, you're, how to share your faith and it prevents you from stepping into being a full ambassador and sharing your faith and how do I do this? And uh, if that is you, you're not alone. Because we do have these fears and these fears come in the form of Failure, you don't wanna fail at it, you don't wanna be bad. Am I equipped? Do I even know enough to share anything? Maybe part of a fear that you have or that needs to be addressed in you is just apathy, that you have a lack of concern. You don't even really care about the people around you and where their eternity lies. Or there's a fear of rejection. Is, God, is this going to impact my relationship with them? And I wanna release you from a little bit of the fear of stepping into being an ambassador and sharing your faith with other people. And it comes from John 6, 43 and 45. And it says this, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It's written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. That before you enter in any conversation, God is already drawing people to himself. That God is already at work and God asks us to be obedient ambassadors who are willing to step into conversations and share what we know and ask questions. Jesus in scripture asked 307 questions and gave four answers. Jesus was a question asker, always wanting people to discover for themselves what was going on within, them, within their soul and then giving the answers when necessary. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 through 17, we see a little bit of how to do this then. Okay, we know we're reconciled, we're a new creation, we're an ambassador, and that means we have a responsibility. And in 1 Peter three fifteen it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And so we see right away in verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Is Jesus really Lord of your life? And if he's Lord of your life, that has implications, then that means he's Lord of your time, he's Lord of your relationships, he's Lord of your calendar, he's Lord of your finances, he's Lord of your heart. And that means he's the leader of it, he's in charge, and Jesus is going to take you, if he is Lord of your life and you are an ambassador of his, you are going to enter into conversations that may take you out of your comfort zone. And Peter goes on to say then, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you. And this could be scary because there's, there are a lot of words in here. There's a lot of stuff going on and you don't wanna sound like I did when I was 14 years old trying to witness to my girlfriend. And so I understand the fear of, I, I don't know if I know everything, but there are ways that we can be prepared beyond biblical knowledge even, and that is to pray for others, that are we already in the habit of praying for people that we want to have these conversations with? Are we being intentional and actually making time for them in our lives and having conversations and getting to know others who are outside of the church? And then are we living into the power of God? Because we are not alone in our efforts. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That you're not entering into this alone. You have the Holy Spirit. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have the Spirit and that means you have power and that means when you are a witness, where you live, where you work, where you play, wherever God takes you, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that the power of God is with you. And are you willing to step into it? So in our hearts, we revere Christ as Lord. We are prepared, we're praying for others, we're getting to know the character of God, we're opening up our Bibles, we're being intentional with people, we're knowing that God's doing this through us and it's not all on our shoulders. And then towards, uh, right after it says be prepared, it actually says be prepared for a specific reason. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you know your story of how you came to know the hope of the world, Jesus? And are you willing to just share that? Whatever that is, it doesn't need to be this dramatic thing where you were super far and all these things happen in your life that has led you to this big dramatic moment. I mean, for some of you, you grew up in church and you've stayed in church and that's what it is, but you've gotten to know Jesus over the years and you've gotten to know more of what that hope looks like. And are you willing to step into sharing your story? And then the last part, verse 17 says, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Even if you fail, even if you fall flat on your face, if you're rejected, you're still sharing the hope, you're doing the work of being an ambassador, and it is better. On average, we have 27 conversations in a day, statistically. 
And I was thinking about this idea, for it is better. Okay, how could we step into the better that God has to offer us? And I'm like, what if we gave God just one? Just started there. One out of your 27 conversations. Or for some of you who are younger, it may even be more than that. But can you offer God one and step into it and say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna do my part to invite people to a Christmas Eve service, to share, to say that I'm praying for them, to be encouraging, and go beyond relationally doing it where people will see Jesus in you, but be intentional in that time and offer God one full conversation per day and see what he will do. When I was at First Christian here as the youth pastor, I started having some conversations with Brian and God put on my heart church multiplication and church planning, and Brian really uh, let me pursue that and, uh, it, and encouraged me along the way in that. And I ended up going to, for five years to another church and launching a campus in the Milwaukee area, and I got this phone call from uh, somebody who's like, hey, that, that church that you started ministry in, in McGuanago, Wisconsin, it closed. So that church that I had the conversation with Brian and Wayne walking around the property on the phone, uh, it had shut down. And they didn't wanna see it become a subdivision, but they wanted to see it still remain a church because they believed that there were people in that area who were far from God, who, wanted, who needed to come to know God. And so they said, do you wanna come back and start a church where you started? And so full circle, 15 years from the point that I started there, in July, my family and I moved to the house that we lived in before and are starting a church in the church building that I started ministry in. And in our first interest meetings, we had 140 people attend. And there have been people who've jumped on board with us who haven't been a part of a church before, like I said, who have never prayed, who are just getting to know who Jesus is, but yet they're drawn to be a part of a new church. And that didn't all just happen. That was something that God was working in me over the course of time and over the course of the years. God was working that in my heart and making that come to be while I was here at First Christian Serving, while Brian was encouraging me. I attended a conference in 2011 where Hugh Halter was speaking. He's a pastor, church planner, author, and I attended this conference and I turned to somebody that I went with and I'm like, man, I wanna plant a church someday. And he's like, yeah, it would be really cool. Well, two weeks ago, I spoke at a conference and I was doing a workshop and I looked at all the speakers that I was going up against, like, okay, who's gonna take the people from my workshop? And one of the names on that list was Hugh Halter, one of the reasons why I'm church planning in the first place. And I stood up in front of everybody at the workshop and said, you are attending the wrong workshop because Hugh Halter's in the other room and he's one of the reasons why I'm church planning. And later that night, Hugh Halter spoke at a main session and he was just talking about doing the hard work of reaching lost people, reaching people who are far from God. And it takes opening up your home, rearranging your calendar, having conversations that put you outside of your comfort zone. Really what it takes is uh, making Jesus Lord, being prepared, knowing the hope that you have, and having some conversations. 
And he said, I think there's somebody who's here tonight who needs to model what this looks like and what it's all about. He's like, I didn't plan for this, but he takes off his boots. And he's like, really what the church needs is somebody who will put on their boots and seize the opportunity that you'll just go for it. You'll do the hard work. You'll, you'll, you'll do whatever it takes to reach lost people. And he's like, they're not for everybody. They're a size 10. And so I'm gonna put them at the end of the stage. And in my heart, in that moment, I was like, I'm a size 10. <laughs> and I'm stepping into this. And those are my boots. And I stood up and I walked 20 rows in front of 2,000 people. And I got to the front and Hugh Halter looked at me and he said, size 10? I'm like, yep. And he said, I'm excited to hear the stories. And so I present to you <laughs> Hugh Halter's boots. <clears throat> I did take them. And uh, I just got these. I'm not giving them away today, just so you know. I just got them. But I'm hoping that there would be people here who would be willing to put on their boots and seize the opportunity, regardless of what shoe size you are. You'd be willing to have the conversations, you'd be willing to make the invite that you would reorganize your life to make Jesus Lord, and that you'd do it for the purpose of reaching people who are far from God so that they would come to know God. And that's really the gift that we're talking about in this Christmas season. And it's been incredible to be here in Decatur this weekend. When I walk through the doors and when I see some of the faces, it feels like a warm hug, you know, it's just nice. And I couldn't help but think, that's how somebody else is gonna feel someday walking into Story Hill Church, that they will have left, gone and done other things, been sent out, pastoring, maybe church planning, whatever, and hopefully one day they'd come back and they'd share what's going on in their life and how God, how God is moving. And so it's a gift to be here, but it would be even better if there would be people who would say, I'm doing that. Like, I'm seizing the opportunity, I'm putting my boots on, I'm having conversations that feel a little bit uncomfortable, I'm making the invite to my neighbor that's kind of annoying, who always complains about the stuff in my yard, you know, whatever that is. And you'd be willing to just step out. Because this is what it's all about. Jesus came to this world, Emmanuel, God with us. And he didn't just come for the believers. He came that people would come to know him. And this is the gift. It's the gift that people don't even know that they need that he offers, a relationship with him. And if you don't know Jesus, a guy came up to me last night and he's like, uh, I don't know God, but I wear a size 10 boot. That's what he said. I was like, well, you should get to know him. And maybe those boots will be a reminder. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know God, I just encourage you to get to know him. That the gift of Jesus to this world is for you. 
and that Jesus didn't just stay a baby, but Jesus eventually died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and unconditional love towards you and didn't just die, but conquered death so that you could be in relationship with God. And that's the invitation. And that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And that's what this season is all about. Would you pray with me? God, we just want you to work in us. We want you to grab a hold of our hearts. We want you to be Lord of our lives. And God, whatever it takes that people would come to know you, if that's rearranging our calendars, stepping into something that makes us uncomfortable, whatever that looks like, going and doing some crazy big things that only you can do through us, we wanna be a part of it and allow us to be a community of people who know and who follow you, who would allow you to use our lives for your good and for your glory so that people would come to know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.